Michael Ashcroft, the founder of Lord Ashcroft Polls, and this is the Ashcroft in America podcast. Every week, my polling team is visiting one of the states that will play a big part in determining the outcome of November's presidential election. And the third stop on the Ashcroft in America tour is Richmond, Virginia, the heart of the Old Dominion state. Until 12 years ago, Virginia was a reliable part of the GOP's electoral college block. The state voted for the Republican candidates in all nine presidential elections from 1968 to 2004. Barack Obama reversed the trend, winning here by six points in 2008 and by four points at the last election in 2012. A Republican who wants to win the White House must put Virginia back in their column. It won't be easy. Its governor is a Democrat, as are both the state's U.S. senators, one of whom is Tim Kaine, Hillary Clinton's running mate. As Richmond goes, so goes Virginia, and perhaps the nation. Hello, I'm Kevin Colwick, the director of Lord Ashcroft Polls, and I'm here in Richmond, Virginia, with Elise Jordan, MSNBC political analyst, columnist for Time magazine, former speechwriter to Condoleezza Rice, former White House staffer, and all sorts of other things to make you wish you'd worked harder at school. How are you, Elise? I'm great, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. This week on the Ashcroft in America podcast, we get the lowdown on the state of play in Virginia from Jeff Shapiro of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Elise interviews Corey Stewart, Donald Trump's state campaign chairman and a candidate to be the next governor of Virginia. Lord Ashcroft talks to Dr. Larry Sabato, election prediction guru at the University of Virginia. And we hear as ever from real local voters. Democrats will tell us how enthused or otherwise they feel by Hillary Clinton. And potential Trump voters and undecideds will react to this week's campaign news, which included the following items. Leaked documents showed that in 1995, Donald Trump's companies lost a total of $916 million, meaning he may not have paid federal income taxes for the past 18 years. Rudy Giuliani reacted by saying Donald Trump was clearly a genius for paying no more tax than he had to. Hillary Clinton attacked Donald Trump over his remarks about a former Miss Universe, while Donald Trump said he was considering talking more about Bill and Hillary Clinton's marriage and accused Hillary of being unfaithful to her husband. The state of New York's attorney general ordered Trump to stop all fundraising activities for his private foundation because Trump had not properly registered to fundraise from individual donors. Former Vice President Al Gore announced he'd be hitting the campaign trail to stump for Hillary Clinton with the goal of reminding millennial voters the dangers of voting for third-party candidates. And vice presidential hopefuls Tim Kaine and Mike Pence met for their first and only head-to-head debate. Jeff Shapiro is a columnist for the Richmond Times-Dispatch who's covered Virginian politics for nearly three decades. I sat down with him the morning after the vice presidential debate and began by asking him what made the politics of Virginia distinctive. Unlike any other state, Virginia has an election every year. And the reason for that is rooted in history, the idea was to insulate state politics from the cross-currents of national politics. But in succeeding years, turnout falls, attention and interest declines. That tends to make for a more conservative electorate. And politicians are very sensitive to that and will tailor their message accordingly. One other 
factor that makes Virginia interesting and competitive, and these days perhaps a bit bluer. Uh, this was once a very provincial, insular state. The majority, a comfortable majority of the people who lived here were born here. Virginia is now a state in which the majority of people who live here were born elsewhere. That migration, that in-migration, changes our politics, it changes tastes, it changes our culture. Given all of that, do you think a different Republican candidate would be doing better than Donald Trump is doing? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think one indication of that would be uh, the Republican primary. Trump won with a plurality, it was not a runaway, but the Republican candidate who was very competitive was Marco Rubio. And he did well in the areas of Virginia where votes count the most, the suburbs. So I suspect that had it been a Rubio-led ticket, perhaps Virginia would be you were at the vice presidential debate last night. Um, Tim Kaine, obviously a, a former governor and a senator in this state, is he a secret weapon for Hillary or, or more of a liability here? The empirical and the statistical information suggests that uh, Kaine provides a modest advantage in his home state for Hillary Clinton. The selection of Tim Kaine for a larger national audience, one suspects, has a lot to do with his youth, comparative youth, his uh, Catholic upbringing, and his enduring and frequent expressions of faith. He is a candidate who brings a vast experience to to this campaign. This is someone who quite literally started as a neighborhood politician. But I think, and we were reminded of this at that Rockham Sockham debate in, in Farmville, that ultimately uh, this is an election about the presidential candidates. And that certainly the expressed mission of Mike Pence and Tim Kaine at their one and only debate was really to sharpen the distinctions between them and us. Dr. Larry Sabato is a professor at the University of Virginia and the creator of an election forecasting model called Sabato's Crystal Ball. If this title seems immodest, it is perhaps justified by the model's 98% success rate in predicting presidential, Senate, House, and governor races since 2000. Lord Ashcroft asked Dr. Sabato what the crystal ball was telling us about the race between Clinton and Trump. Don't be alarmed by the honking noise halfway through the interview. It's just a ship passing Lord Ashcroft's yacht. The crystal ball has been very consistent this year, uh, though we have varied in our margin of victory for Hillary Clinton. We have always had Hillary Clinton as the next president. Uh, this is a combination of reasons, obviously. Uh, for one thing, the Democratic coalition has proven enduring, despite the fact that there is difficulty in winning a third consecutive term in the White House for any party. Uh, but uh, the Obama coalition has held together reasonably well. There are some defections, particularly among millennials, certainly some 
white blue collar workers who have previously supported Democratic candidates, and to a certain degree, um, white males. Uh, on the other hand, we've also seen that uh, Hillary Clinton is attracting a much larger share of the white vote that is college or graduate school educated. They are rejecting Trump in large numbers, just as the non-college blue-collar vote has been embracing Trump. So we have Hillary Clinton uh, winning a majority in the Electoral College. Uh, we've been as high as 348 electors for her. Um, of course, you only need 270. We've been as low as 272 after her uh, disappointing uh, performance on the campaign trail, uh, saying controversial things like baskets of deplorables in describing Trump supporters, and her uh, lie by omission about pneumonia, which I think cost her dearly because she has a reputation for a lack of transparency. But sure enough, um, we are returning to stasis. And what is stasis for this campaign? It's Hillary Clinton being two, three, four points ahead of Donald Trump in the national polls and being ahead in most of the swing states. And this year, there are eight to 12 swing states, depending on how you count them. The race has tightened since the nominating conventions in the summer. I mean, what do you think is behind that? Well, it's tightened for an interesting reason. It's actually returned to where it was at the end of May, beginning of June, mid-June. Uh, Donald Trump got almost no convention bounce. She got one of the largest convention bounces on record. And instead of fading, as it usually does in a couple of weeks, this one lasted between four and five weeks. So people were misled by her large margin in August after the convention, forgetting that before the convention, late spring, she had a three or four point lead. Well, with a very good debate performance, and she clearly slaughtered uh, Donald Trump. I've studied our presidential debates that began uh, to be televised, or began at all, really, in 1960. And Trump had absolutely the worst performance of any candidate ever in either party. And as a result, uh, Hillary Clinton has been restored. If anything, she's above stasis now. We're starting to get swing state polls, we'll also have some national polls, and she's starting to have a lead that's larger than what I think it will be in the end. Maybe she's getting a debate bounce, and the debate bounce will fade. Why will it fade? Uh, because undoubtedly Trump will do better in the two remaining presidential debates. He could hardly do worse, and he's agreed to prepare. He refused to prepare for the first one. He thought he was such a good television actor that he could simply get up and do his thing, and he would at least tie Hillary Clinton. Nothing of the sort happened, and uh, I think he will do better in the, in the remaining debates. What do Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton each need to do to pick up the remaining undecided voters between now and November, and who between the two is in a better position to do so? First, there are very few undecided voters. Um, you can't rely on the polls total of undecided, which is in the teens. The hard undecided is more like 5 or 6%, somewhere in that vicinity. And as usual, half of them won't vote. Uh, and the other half will split no more than 60-40 to one candidate, usually split 55-45 or less. So they're probably not going to make that much of a difference in the end. The voters 
uh, who can make a difference are those supporting Gary Johnson, the libertarian, and currently he's at about 8% in the polling averages, and Jill Stein, the Green Party nominee, who takes disproportionately, rather heavily, from Hillary Clinton, and she's at 3 to 4%. Uh, it's pretty obvious that because the two of them have been excluded from the presidential debates, they're already drifting down in the polling averages. I'll be surprised if Johnson gets more than 5 or 6% in the November election. Jill Stein will get 1% to 2%. Uh, so they could still be influential. Uh, that's a total of maybe 7 or 8% uh, for them and for other write-in candidates. But... Uh, and we need to remember Ralph Nader getting only 2.7% in the year 2000 actually switched the presidency, switched the White House from Al Gore, who would have won had Nader not been on the ballot, to George W. Bush. Nader cost Gore both Florida and New Hampshire, and he needed only one of them in order to win the election. Sorry, I heard something here. Back. You heard a ship in the background behind me, Larry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. Uh, but in any event, as I'm saying, I, I really don't think there's an enormous number of undecideds. This is a stark choice. By now, almost everyone who's actually going to vote knows whether they're for Clinton or for Trump. Finally, Larry, your latest analysis suggests the Republicans are facing a very tough battle to keep control of the Senate. How do you think the presidential election is affecting those local races, and what, what do you suggest the outcome may be? Well, we're very divided about the outcome, just as I think the outcome might be 50-50. Uh, and, and if it's 50-50, the, the new vice president breaks the tie. That's what we had for six months when... George W. Bush was elected president in 2000. Vice President Cheney broke a 50-50 tie until one of the Republicans switched to the Democratic Party, Jim Jeffords. Um, so it will either be 50-50 or 51-49, I think at most 52-48 in either direction. And you're correct to point to the presidential margin. Here, it's not the national margin. It's margin state by state in the, in the states that are competitive for U.S. Senate. And the winner of this presidential race, Larry, will be? Very probably Hillary Clinton. Nothing is certain until you count the votes. And there could be October surprises that we're not uh, incorporating in our models or in our consideration. But uh, I think everything we've seen so far suggests that Clinton will actually win after her low point in September. She's held steady uh, at a three or four point um, edge in the popular vote, and that should be enough to produce an electoral college majority of some size. Our first focus group in Richmond this week was with Democrat voters. After eight years of a Democratic president, they felt there were still plenty of things in the country that needed fixing. I, I fear for mm -hmm. the children that I'm raising, especially for mm -hmm. my son, who is a, will grow up to be a black male. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I feel like we shouldn't have to do, but I feel as a parent, I have to prepare him for the world that um, is just barreling out of control around mm -hmm. us. And you kind of feel helpless almost. I barely make minimum wage. And 
I can't, I don't even qualify for Obamacare, but even if I did, I wouldn't be able to afford it. Our roads, bridges, and tunnels are falling apart. We're finally getting exposed for how we spend all our money on military, and our education is horrible. We have one of the worst school systems in the world. We have the most overcrowded prison systems in the world. If President Obama had not achieved as much as some of them had hoped, they put this down to unrealistic expectations, not to mention the Republicans in Congress. It's been positive in terms of um, equality and being able to tell your children that they can do anything and having um, the sense that there is someone who understands the plight of a, great, a broader um, perspective. But I think what has happened is that the hidden racism that has always mm -hmm. been there mm -hmm. has just exploded. Both houses are against them, everyone's against them. Right? Basically, it's like him against the world. We're basically taking care, take, trying to get things done. Yeah. When things try to move move forward on things, and like healthcare was one of them, mm -hmm. he got it passed. But if the Republican Party would have worked with him better, it would have had a better result. I think he had a lot of pressure being the first black president. Mm -hmm. and I he think did. A part of that so was so many people expected more. Yeah, mm -hmm. expected the black community yeah. expected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like he gets a lot of slack from from us. Like you didn't do enough for us, but right. you know, yeah, but he I was think the people were he, exactly people were expecting something that is unrealistic. Despite questions over whether Hillary Clinton would be able to infuse the Democratic base, these voters, some of whom had preferred Bernie Sanders in the primaries, were upbeat about what she could do and were determined to get out and vote. She's a team builder. She's going to build a, yeah. good, a good cabinet she, yeah. around her. Yeah. She's and no offense to men, but women are balances. Redistricting and mm -hmm. maybe term limits or something like that. Mm -hmm. Gotta get term or limits campaign finance reform. If, mm -hmm. if Hillary really tries to push that and bring allies in to do something like that, we're gonna see we some could change. see yeah. some change. I think she'll be good. I think she's got, she has training, education. She's been behind mm -hmm. the scenes with Bill. Mm -hmm. She's a smart lady. I think she'll be good internationally because mm -hmm. she'll, mm -hmm. she'll know enough about mm -hmm. each culture she talks to. Um, so there are a lot of things with families that have been her platform for many years, um, mm -hmm. even before she was first lady, mm -hmm. um, that she stood for. And so those things have never really been, um, as you said, they weren't, you know, they weren't uh, sexy enough. Yeah, but those are things that to me have mattered, and I know my family, my children, my grandchildren have benefited from. Not surprisingly, none of them thought much of Donald Trump. We asked what kind of people they thought did support him and why. People who don't follow the news, I, mean, I, I don't know, I mean, people who don't, aren't informed. She didn't come out and say, look, I, I understand, I, I understand half of them are racist and misogynist and whatever, but there are the other half that are struggling and, and have fears about trade, have fears about the economy. And, you know, she'll, I think she has an opportunity to reach out to those people. Well, like, I'm not are sure they coming at how, much they, how much they like him as opposed to how much they prefer a man. Well, that is an undertone of women who choose to go with Trump as opposed to going with Hillary. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with her positiveness and her knowledge and her education mm -hmm. or her experience. Exactly. It has to do with women who don't value themselves, who won't respect or value another woman. And they are generally um, controlled by men, like mm -hmm. a Trump. Mm -hmm. You know, they have an abused very... mindset. Next up, a group of Donald Trump's strong supporters. Though nobody thought him a perfect candidate, he was for them by far the best on offer. He's not going to do everything in four years or eight years because they've made such a mess. But I think he will go in the right direction, pointing us in the right direction to get something done. I wish we had a better candidate. 
I, I think that he, my view of Trump is that part of the reason he wants the presidency is probably because of the power. Mm -hmm. But I think he wants to come in on a white horse and save America because he does recognize all the problems. So I think regardless of his motivations, he, he's going to be good for the country because, you know, even if, if it's not all altruistic, you know, he's still going to be serving, serving the country in the right way. I am 100% certain she will make a terrible president. Mm -hmm. I am not 100% certain that Donald Trump will make a terrible president. Mm -hmm. Good point. He's not a politician, too. He's not a politician? He knows how to run a Exactly. He's not a politician. I don't feel that he is in bed with everybody else mm -hmm. in Washington. He, mm -hmm. So he, he says what he thinks. And unfortunately, that may, what, that may be what ruins the election yeah. for him. Because I'll be sitting there listening to him, yes, yes, yes. I'm like, well, why'd you say that? But see, when Ronald Reagan ran, Ronald Reagan was a new breed. That's yeah. what Donald is. Donald is that is, is Ronald Reagan twice to yeah. me. As for his tax affairs and the Miss Universe saga, these were as nothing compared to Hillary's misdemeanors. Compared to Hillary, who I'm probably not alone in the room in thinking that she is close to at least second-degree murder, guilty of at least second-degree murder, uh, from Benghazi and all the people exactly. that, that disappear. Uh, but so even if he releases his tax returns and even if he got away without paying taxes mm -hmm. for the last 20 years, that compared to what she's done is, is minuscule in my mind. Trump is not Abraham Lincoln, but, but the things that he's done that they're pointing out that are you know, character flaws, I, I don't see anything in there that, that endangers national mm -hmm. security. Everything in comparison that Hillary has in her bad bucket list does. Nothing that Trump's did. Right. Yeah, he might have offended some people by calling names and stuff, but he hadn't put anybody's lives at risk, yeah. national security yeah. at risk. He hadn't done anything to endanger us as a people. If Trump was ultimately defeated, they thought foul play would probably be part of the explanation. It's not how many votes you get. It's who's counting the votes. I am convinced that if it's close in certain areas, the numbers are going to magically change. Is it possible that just a lot of people in the country disagree with you? No, I don't, I don't think so. We also spoke to a group of women who usually voted Republican but did not have a very favourable view of Donald Trump. Though they all saw risks in voting for Trump, they also said this was a risk worth taking given the choice on offer. Both candidates have been caught in multiple lies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we don't even know what we're getting. <laughs> we know what we're getting to some extent with Hillary. She's been in politics forever. Everybody's kind of banking on Trump being, you know, he's an outsider, he's going to come in. But to me, that's yeah. a wild card. Yeah. He is um, a wild card. However, he has run successful businesses. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the main that's thing. He, is creating he makes jobs. money yeah. and creates yeah. jobs. Honestly, at this point, I'm... I'm willing to go with the devil. I don't know mm -hmm. because I know what she is. I mean, the only thing about Trump that scares me is he doesn't have much foreign policy yes, yes. experience, and he has such a temper. I'm afraid, you know, he'll just push that red button. He seems to be more interested in the home fires, you know, bringing business back to America, you know, bringing, you know, and just looking after the American people. Most of the group were not bothered at all by the revelations about Donald Trump's tax affairs. This whole tax thing, doesn't that show he's not putting you first? No, no. no. He's smart. No, he's smart. <laughs> Who wants to pay more taxes that? than what they have 
Right. Yeah, why would you? I, mean, I take every deduction that my husband works for himself. Yeah. I take every yep. deduction that I can take. I'm not paying extra taxes. But for these women, the stories about how he had treated a former Miss Universe were rather more disturbing. She put on weight. He publicized it. He took her to the gym. And had, I guess he had the film crew, news crew, something there. I don't know. Totally uncomfortable. But when she called him out on it, mm-hmm. he talked about that there was this sex tape. So, I mean, she was embarrassed. He tried to turn himself. She called him out. I mean, it was, he was continuing to destroy her dignity. I want to smack him. Like, I want yeah, to walk up to him and say, dude, totally you need to shut your mouth right, and right. let somebody yeah. else speak you make every now and then. I think it's disgusting. I mean, and it, it shows his temperament and he can't keep his mouth shut. And it's scary, you know, mm-hmm. if he becomes president and what does that show? You know, you're supposed to be the leader of our country and just... A representative of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not good sometimes. Those are the things that I dislike Mm -hmm. and that just make me cringe. And when I think, you know, when I think if I had to vote tomorrow and I go in there and I'm looking and it's like, that's the one thing, one of a few that would hold me back. But I know I just wouldn't vote for Hillary. I have very little in common with Trump and, you know, Morgan stands, but I have nothing in common with Hillary. And so if my choices are A or B, I have to go to the one that's closest to me. And he may, I may think he's a despicable person, but I'm, I'm not going to not vote. Finally, a group of men who had a pretty low opinion of both candidates. For many of them, the news about Trump over the past week had underlined the reservations they had about him and confirmed them as reluctant voters for Hillary Clinton. There's just no dignity to him at all. Nothing. Not nothing the, respectable. Not, yeah, it's not the type of president. Yeah. Not presidential, yeah, you know, it's not presidential. Not, we don't want him representing our country. None of us could, could be found out to, to do any of this stuff before a job interview and then have that be public and then exactly. expect to get the job. Exactly. None of us in this room or anywhere else. He's an entertainer. He's trying to get the crowd to cheer. You know, that's that's his. When we talk about representing the country, his entertainment ain't fun. And now we've got two clowns in there. Give us somebody real, somebody that you can say, this is this this guy knows what's happening. So we got Hillary, we got a liar, and we got Trump that's gonna he's gonna nuke the whole world. <laughs> you know, pretty much let a maniac represent their whole party that they backed someone that terrible. She can do the job, she can be the president, but definitely not a change candidate. It's gonna be business as usual. All, yeah. all of the problems, divides, it's all gonna be the same. Nothing changes. But She'll be able to do the job. She's, I, I think she's confident. He's not confident. But she, I think she can at least do the job. She won't blow up the world. I mean, I think, were there better candidates out there? Yeah, probably so. But at least I don't feel like her mouth's going to lead us directly into war or, you know, just embarrassment. We've had about two weeks since the first presidential debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And it's been interesting over the course of these weeks in North Carolina and in Virginia to see how voters are responding to what went down in that first debate. The consensus being that Donald Trump really, the expectations weren't that high for him going into it, but he did have an opportunity that he missed. Yeah, we're hearing the same things as we did um, two or three weeks ago, which is that he's um, he's obviously changed and he's somebody who wants to to be different and he might be a bit of a wild card and worth taking a chance on but he's also volatile and you're not really sure where it's going to end and he has as you say had a chance to to put that straight in the last debate but also over the last week 
he's had a chance to present a more presidential version of himself. But instead of doing that, we've spent the week talking about his tax affairs and the Miss Universe saga. Well, even among his most ardent supporters, no one liked his tweets about Miss Universe, his tweets about Alicia Machado. They didn't approve. They thought it was a distraction. He has an opportunity to reassure voters that he's presidential, and he's really doing exactly the opposite, and it's confounding even some of his most strong supporters. Well, their view of it was that he doesn't behave very well and he ought not to say these things, but at least... He doesn't behave as badly as Hillary Clinton has. There are some people who are less committed to him, though, who might, who might or might not vote for him, for whom this actually was quite disturbing and says something quite unnerving about how he behaves. And the women, particularly, who were the, the Republicans who were holding their nose, they, they were really having to wrestle with themselves to decide whether they could bring themselves to vote for him, I think, some of them. And what's surprising to me is that the tax return story that Donald Trump declared a loss of $916 million in 1995 and that he possibly hasn't paid taxes subsequently, that that really is not an issue with voters on either side of the aisle. Certainly Democrats already dislike him and they think that it's unpatriotic that he hasn't paid taxes and contributed to the system, but a lot of voters really just can't begrudge someone for trying to get away with not paying taxes. Yeah, he wants to pay more tax than they have to, they, they say. And if he's managed to organise his affairs um, in, a, in a way that benefits him, then, then, then fine. They've, they've got nothing against that at all. Going into this next week, though, and Sunday night, Donald Trump has another opportunity on the debate stage to reassure some of the voters who are leaning on the fence and would actually like to vote for him. It's going to be interesting to see if he actually does show a different Donald Trump, if he is the restrained, polite Donald Trump, or if he's the kamikaze going up against Hillary Clinton. Because those voters, voters who are attracted to kamikaze Donald Trump, are already fine with him. They think he's great just the way he is, but he can't do that if he's going to actually win the general election. Corey Stewart is the chairman of Donald Trump's campaign in Virginia and a candidate for Virginia's governorship. I spoke to him on the future of the Republican Party and his thoughts on the possibility of election fraud in November, and first on Trump's chances in Virginia. The last time a Republican carried Virginia was in 2004 when George W. Bush defeated Kerry by eight points. You are a longtime elected official in Prince William County, which is known as a barometer for the rest of the state. What do you feel are Trump's chances of winning in your county specifically and the entire state? Well, it's going to be very tough. The only Republican who's been able to win up here in Northern Virginia is me, and I've done it four times. And uh, the reason for that is, you know, uh, I've been able to reach out to minority voters. You know, Prince William County is 55% minority. Uh, a lot of we have about 20% uh, African American, 20% uh, Hispanic, and about 15% uh, Asian. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be tough. But fundamentally, this campaign, this election cycle in 2016, is going to come down to one big question, and that is. Are Americans, are Virginians, uh, satisfied with the direction of the country? And two-thirds of us say no. And for that reason, they're going to vote for a change, and they're probably going to vote for Donald Trump for that very reason. They want to change the direction of the country. They're very concerned about national security issues. They're concerned about tax issues. They're concerned about the economy fundamentally. 
and I believe that uh, they're not going to reward the Democrats with a third term. It's important to note that most of the polling uh, that is occurring in the United States is based upon 2012 presidential election uh, models. And there's a lot of people out there who used to be Democrats or who have never voted before, a lot of working class people who are not in the polling data because they've never voted before. Uh, but that, that, so I think that Mr. Trump's numbers are going to be a whole lot higher than what the polls currently indicate. As Donald Trump's Virginia campaign chair, you're in charge of drumming up support for him in the state. Do you find his more controversial comments about women and minorities or the taxes, does that make your job harder? Well, his comments uh, that are controversial definitely do make it more difficult. Uh, but, you know, and we do see that after, you know, Mr. Trump does say something controversial, he slides a little bit in the polls. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, fundamentally, people want to change the direction of the country. They're really, really worried about the economy. A lot of people are unemployed. A lot, of, a lot more people are underemployed. They have jobs that don't pay so well, and they're capable of so much more. They have an education uh, where they should have a, a, a higher-paying job, but they don't. The labor participation rate in, in, uh, in the United States is, so, is the lowest it's ever been since the 1970s. And so I think people are fundamentally going to vote because of the economy, and they're going to vote for Trump, even though uh, they find some of his comments, um, you know, uh, unpalatable, and they don't, they don't necessarily agree with everything that he says. But I think that fundamentally they're going, to, they're going to vote based upon the poor state of the economy in the U.S., as the chair of the Prince William Board of Supervisors, you pushed a local law that allows county police to check the immigration status of anyone they arrest, and Virginia subsequently adopted the law across the state. Do you think you have had any influence on Trump's immigration policy? And can you explain why immigration is such a big issue in this election? Well, uh, yes. Mr. Trump chose me to chair uh, Virginia because of my uh, efforts in 2007. Uh, to crack down on illegal uh, immigration. But if somebody's arrested for a crime, we check immigration status. And if they're here illegally, we have them deported. That's just common sense. You don't want to have somebody in your country who is illegal, and you especially don't want to have someone in your country who's here illegally and who's a criminal. Uh, so that is something that if Mr. Trump is elected, I'm going to push the administration to adopt that nationally. You're running for governor next year, and your two opponents in the Republican primary have not been strong supporters of Donald Trump. Do you think that your strong ties to Donald Trump help your candidacy? Well, I'm betting that, it, that my strong ties to Donald Trump will help my candidacy. I believe in him. Uh, it's not the reason that I chose. I, I did not choose to become his chairman because I thought it was going to benefit me politically. I did so because I thought he was the right guy for the job. And at the time, there were 16 uh, candidates for uh, president out there. But there's something bigger uh, that's happening in America right now. There is a realignment between the parties. It used to be uh, not very long ago that, you know, blue collar workers, whether they were white or black or Hispanic or, or Asian, voted for the Democrats and voted for the Democratic nominee for president. But Mr. Trump has changed that all around. Now, the big question, of course, is will that continue after uh, the election? 
and will or will the Republican Party be taken back over by the establishment and you know, and more corporate interests? Donald Trump has suggested that if he loses, it could be because the election was rigged or voter fraud. Do you think that that's a real possibility? And if the Trump campaign does suspect fraud after a Clinton victory, what should his supporters do in Virginia? Well, it's a real problem. The Democrats are unashamedly cheaters. Uh, they will do anything to win. Uh, we saw that in the state of Pennsylvania around uh, the Philadelphia area in 2012, where uh, in, in democratically controlled areas of the state where there was a Democrat uh, attorney general and a Democrat mayor and a Democrat, everything, the entire voting apparatus was controlled by Democrats. We saw a voter turnout over 100%. So obviously, by definition, there was significant uh, voter fraud of you know people who were dead uh, or who had moved uh, who were voting, uh, in, in some cases, pets who were voting. Uh, we, uh, we've, we've got to do something about that. Unfortunately, the Obama Justice Department is uh, not going to do anything about that. After this election, should we win, that, is a, that needs to be a priority for the administration is to re, uh, reinstate integrity into the voting process in, in the United States. That's a wrap for this week's installment of Ashcroft in America, except to say we'd love to hear from you. Tweet us with your comments, questions, thoughts using the hashtag Ashcroft in America. Meanwhile, thanks for listening to Ashcroft in America. We'll see you next week in Philadelphia. Philadelphia.